Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome in. Our Wednesday regular, Stephen Simcox, joins us now. Stephen, so happy to see you. Locked on TCU. Is it locked on TCU or is it locked on Horn Frogs? Horn Frogs. Locked on Horn Frogs. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean But to. if you search locked on TCU, I'm sure you'd find it. Yeah. Google <laughs> helps you sometimes. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's not like somebody's there going, freaking Simcox. <laughs> <laughs> Stole my thing. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do this. <laughs> Screw you, copyright lawyers. Yeah, I guess I didn't look into that too much. Maybe there is somebody doing a locked on TCU. <laughs> yeah. Just a disgruntled person that I don't know about. <laughs> yeah. The guy who didn't get the job uh, there. But uh, Stephen, uh, inter- interesting week last week in college football again. Again, we're heading into a week that uh, is kind of dull by comparison. Mm-hmm. Schedule-wise, there's not a, a lot of big, you know, Titan matchups in that. But we have two weeks of evidence, and that's not near enough to, to know what's going on. But I did want to start out, and let's talk about some contenders and some pretenders, because there, there might be some new teams on the scene. For example, the Miami Hurricanes, uh, really, especially in the, the second half of that game, Took it to Texas A&M mm-hmm. quite badly. Uh, and I'm, I'm not ready to say that they're going to win the ACC, but I think the ACC is very much in flux, and I could believe that they are going to contend for most of the year in that conf- conference. Excuse me. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, we talked last time I was here about Clemson and their struggles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Florida State's obviously got back up there to a level that we expect them to be really good. What, what's your hate level for Miami? Here's the deal. Uh, I will describe I think I described it to somebody last week as uh, Wes Mantooth and Ron Burgundy. Okay. Where, you know, at the end of the movie, he's like, deep down, with every inch of me, I straight up hate you. <laughs> but damn it, I respect you. <laughs> like, that's how I feel about Miami. I, like, here's, and I'll, here's the difference. My, Miami had one of the best two-part sports documentaries Mm-hmm. ever in the U. It's so good and so interesting and so compelling. And it is that because they leaned into who they are yeah. and who they were. And then Florida just had one that's one of the biggest pieces of propaganda ever. And it's because they pretty much lied about what was going on or ignored certain things, um, including even putting a guy in the documentary who was part of it and then not even bringing it up, like what he had done in Chris Rainey. And so you're like, man, like, that's just, that's such an incomplete picture. So I have a respect for them. I think the same way as Florida State and Miami fans don't like each other. Like, and they're going to talk noise. But nobody's pretending that we're anything other than what we are. And then that's why Florida is probably the most disliked university in that state because they're the ones who's like, what, nothing bad happens here. Yeah, Sunshine and rainbows. What are you talking about? Aaron right. Hernandez? We don't, no, 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 no. Never heard of him. <laughs> as soon as I saw the Netflix promo where they were just talking about how on Friday nights at midnight they like to go work out in the gym instead of partying, I was like, I don't think Swamp Kings is going to be a great representation <laughs> of, of what, these, what these years were. I don't know if that's true for all 85 scholarship right. players. Maybe Tim Tebow and some of his buddies, but I don't <laughs> think all of them were just – Pack in the weight room on a, on a Friday night or early Saturday morning. But, yeah, I like Miami. I think Mario Cristobal is a good coach, and he emphasizes and does something that, like, even though it's getting less prominent, I guess, you still have to be good up front, right? You have to have a good offensive line, good defensive line. And the way Miami protected against what seems to be maybe a disappointing defensive line for Texas A&M, they got a lot of talent there, but they weren't able to get the quarterback. And then I didn't even recognize Tyler Van Dyke anymore because he was just standing in the pocket, slinging the ball all over the place. Um, So I think the Canes have a chance to be really good, and that's good for college football. I mean, they've been honestly a boring program for a long time, don't have much of an identity. They're they're still trying to lean into, like, the swagger and edge, but Mm. 
it's hard to do that when Manny Diaz is your head coach. Yeah. But maybe if they're better, they can reclaim some of that. Um, and so I, I think the Canes are going to be good. And, uh, yeah, in the ACC, there's an opening at the moment. Yeah. You know, I think who Miami was – for the last 20 years, like who they used to be was they were Snoop Dogg. Murder was the case that they gave me. And then the last 20 years, they've been Snoop Dogg, friend of Martha Stewart. <laughs> like that's that's the difference of who they were and who, who they are. And so if they can get back their identity, mm -hmm. and a lot of it had to do with the state, I think it had to do with the stadium. Like they, they got like all that kind of changed everything. I mean, they, they honored Howard Schnellenberger, you know, who built Miami at the game because they're, not at their stadium, they had to put like a temporary banner up. And it just felt like, well, you know, like it's definitely like the Dolphins are like, listen, you guys are definitely renting. <laughs> you don't own, like you can, you can put it up, but you're not getting a security deposit if there's <laughs> nails in the wall. Don't, don't do that. Like we, we don't want to lose the deposit. So that, that's what kind of, but if they can get that swagger back and if that swagger eventually leads to a Miami Hurricanes only stadium, which I don't think is likely to happen because mm -hmm. Miami politics is a weird thing, and I say weird because I don't want to completely use the word corrupt, but... <laughs> uh, They're interchangeable words. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that'd be great. Okay. Uh, I think it's okay. I got, like, ripped in our chat room on the main show the other day, yesterday, because I was apparently talking bad about Texas. People but, criticize you on the show? Yeah, I know. Oh, it's no, i got to rethink what I'm doing. Yeah, yeah. But this a Texas fan was like, you're ripping Texas. And I was like, I, I think this is like the first year in a long time that I haven't mm -hmm. because that was impressive. Quinn Ewers came into his own, and it's like the light bulb came on for everybody. You know, obviously, that you know they haven't, they haven't done anything big yet other than beat Alabama, but they haven't done those things in the last decade or so. And so for them to beat Alabama in Bryant-Denny, uh, that makes me think that they're a contender and not a pretender. As, as much as it pains me to say it, I, I agree with you. I'm one of the biggest Texas haters around. I don't, I don't want them to be good. Yeah. But, I mean, what are you going to say? Even, even with the limitations that Jalen Milrow has, they still went and punked Alabama in Tuscaloosa. Mm -hmm. And that's not something that, honestly – Big 12 teams have shown capable of doing. That's not something that Texas has been shown capable of doing. Um, and so the way that they played was super impressive. Coin Ewers looks a lot more comfortable. They've got great skill guys. I mean, they look they looked the part. Like, mm. Could they stumble at some point during the Big 12 schedule? Of course they could. It's, it's going to be a gauntlet. Um, just like the week-to-week -week grind, not necessarily the teams by themselves. Uh, but, man, they, they have all the pieces. And it's not just, it's not just fluff and, like, hype about – the brand Texas. It's because they legitimately have players on both sides of the ball. Yeah, it's pick your poison on offense. They're they're really lethal. Um, you know, I uh, I think there's like there's two teams at the top. I think Georgia and Michigan. I think are, are contenders, but we haven't seen them play anybody yet, and we won't on either one of them for for a little while. Right. But I do think that come the end of the year, that they're going to be pretty much rolling along. So don't get the don't get the takes too hot. Don't tell us Georgia's. And Georgia's good is quite the yeah. quite the legend to step yeah. out. But other than that, like you know, look, I'll I'll let you start with this one because I don't want to seem like a homer. But from your perspective, Florida State has two wins: forty-five twenty-four over LSU, and then sixty-six to thirteen over Southern Miss. Again, my thought on the sixty-six to thirteen, I'll give you in a second. But um, Florida State contender or pretender? I'll say contender. I mean, I think certainly in the ACC, right? Mm. Like they look like the team to beat right now. You know, college football playoff-wise, I don't know yet. I want to see a little bit more of them. I think the jury's still out. Um, but that was super impressive what they did against LSU. They followed up with a win that they should have, but they won that game convincingly. I wasn't a big Mike Norvell believer, but it was mainly just because I didn't feel like I knew who he was or what I thought his teams wanted to be, like what their identity is. But uh, they're tough. They're physical. You know, they got a good quarterback. I think Florida State's in a good position. Yeah. I, uh, I'll tell you, what I, here's what I take away from Southern Miss. Florida State has now for years let teams like Southern Miss come in and uh, take them into the fourth quarter mm -hmm. and where you're like, all right, like. Turn it know, on, guys. Like, all right, like, you know, this team's – this is the biggest game of their season and let's, you know, understand that. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you're going to get their best shot, but, you know, make sure you know that, like, where they are. And from the jump of that game, they did – I mean, they were – Mike Norvell had a, a really interesting strategy, and he was rotating the guys in 
who are going to play later in the game with the first team in the first quarter. Mm. So kind of like a preseason game. Yeah, my like my friend was like, "Hey, I just turned it on. Is Keon Coleman not playing?" I'm like, "He's been out there, but so have every other wide receiver has run through, yeah. and so every running back's run through. Like they were the fifth running back had had a carry." Before halftime, you know, all, all those things happened, and they were able to just like put the pedal to the floor really early, and then just keep that rotation going. So, yeah, they they are. I mean, they're rotating eight offensive linemen through during the game. I mean, it that that means that they're confident in their depth at Boston College this week, and then they have to they have to you know go to the other Death Valley or the fake Death Valley as Garrett wants me to call it, uh, which might be. I don't know. And, and B, if they go 2-0 against Tigers, then then it's kind of on, uh, I would say. They play, what's the other tough ACC game? Do they play Duke this year? They Duke, and they play Miami. Okay. So, they, like, Duke and Miami are So, they're are going through them. all the contenders in that league. Yeah, uh, except for North Carolina. Uh, they don't play North Carolina. Uh, so, we'll see. North, North Carolina is 2-0. Uh, a lot of people thought with Drake May they might be a contender – I'm going to say they're a pretender. Yeah, I'm not ready to say they're a contender. You know, I still have questions about UNC's defense. Mike Brown's done a nice job there. Um, two, two back-to-back App State panic attacks. Yes. You know, the, and App State's a good program, obviously, yeah. but that's a game you, you would think you would win more convincingly. Uh, they got a great QB. I think they're going to be able to score with anybody. I just don't feel like they're a complete football team. Yeah. That that opening win against South Carolina was impressive. Yeah, it was. But I don't know if they're going to be like week to week. It might be just kind of a different mm-hmm. different, different thing every week. Okay, Texas A&M took that loss. They were already not like kind of down the list. Do you think this is a team that's going to struggle to get back to their baseline of 8-4? and four? I don't think so. I mean, like – it wasn't it wasn't a good performance, mm. but I, as I don't think these people are great people, but I think they have a symbol of good coaching staff. Yeah. Bobby Petrino's a good play caller. Um, I mean, eventually this has to work, right? Like, They're like the suicide squad of <laughs> coaching staff. They really are. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It, or it's like a halfway house for, for coaching hires. <laughs> yeah. Just got to, you know, get your reputation back and go on. Um, but I, I still like A&M. They're a young team at some of the skill positions. I mean, I don't think they're going to win the SEC or anything, but I feel like they could finish 9-3, and three, maybe surprise some people and win some games they shouldn't. We'll talk about this later, but the SEC doesn't appear to be just the you know, bare-knuckle brawl that it might typically be. Yeah. Um, and so maybe there's an opportunity for them to, to catch an upset here or there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Who have, we, who have we not talked about yet that might be a contender that's 2-0? and um, we talk USC, Paul? We're not talking about USC. I think, I think they're – I think they're very scary. But here's the thing about USC. USC, Oregon, Colorado, like all these teams in the Pac-12, like that is going to be a gauntlet of a league. So yeah. I, I think that they're, they're running the risk of being what the, the Big 12 has been in that like you're going to have a really good team come out of it, but it's going to be scathed because you're so good that like the, you know, you're going to have some great games where at the end of it, you're going to be like, well, somebody is coming out ahead in this, but mm-hmm. – both these teams are equally good. My only hesitation with USC is Lincoln typically has one or two head-scratching mm-hmm. losses, which it's unfair to say Utah was that last year because Utah is just a really good football team, and they play very violently and yeah. just angry against everyone. Um, but I'm just not convinced they can run the tape. It's still it's always with the defense, right? Like It's always with the defense with Lincoln's teams. Now, this offense looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Caleb Williams is obviously amazing. Um, but I, I feel like eventually they'll get tripped up. And I could see the one in the Pac-12. I just don't think they're going to be able to handle more physical football teams that they could see later on down the road. Yeah, I, like you think about like next year when we have this conversation, it's going to be a whole lot more, you know, robust when we talk about people can make the playoff. Yeah. But since you're talking about four teams, which means that at most anybody can have is two losses, and those mm-hmm. two losses better be – Good, good, you know, like quality really qual- like good teams that are probably also in the play. Like, you might have lost to one of the other playoff teams. You might have had a, you know, midseason loss against a team that's just outside the playoff. And then everyone else would have to have two. Like for two lost teams to get in, you have to be the best two lost team mm-hmm. out of all the two lost teams. And then, you know, so you only get one mulligan, maybe, depending on who you are. That you know, Alabama, like Alabama's got their mulligan, and they actually will, will could potentially get a second mm-hmm. mulligan. 
I don't think that they're going to – I mean, they could very well win the SEC West, but the SEC West, you know, with LSU is still going to be probably pretty good. But, you know, they, they've got some things they've got to answer and things they've got to change, like, you know, using people correctly. Harold Perkins is not a safety <laughs> – you know, don't just doing some experiments in week one you know? <laughs> yeah. against against, you know, against one of the Florida State. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. let's get all these kinks worked out. Like, <laughs> let's not rush our best player at their best player. Mm-hmm. Let's let's keep them apart. <laughs> You're not playing Southeast Louisiana. Let's no. not do so that was some coaching missteps on Brian Kelly's part. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, um, Alabama just if if they're going to have Jalen Milrow, if they're going to be shuffling in court, different quarterbacks, I, I think they probably have another loss or so on their schedule, um, because it is the SEC West. It is, and I mean, I think, like, everybody that believed in Alabama before the year, the the standard line was, well, they're just so good. Their O-line's going to be so good. They're going to be able to run the ball on anybody. But then you watch that Texas game, and they got pushed around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and they forced Milrow to make plays, and he couldn't do it. Now, he could get better as the year goes on, but I don't know. I, I think when you look at the way Bama's constructed – there's reason to not believe in them. It seems like everybody that's kind of was believing them before the year was just saying, well, Saban surely can't, you know, have another season where they're just sort of out of the mix. Um, so I'll have to see how that plays out. What do you think the ceiling is for Colorado now that they are? I think, I mean, I could see them eight and four, nine and three really easily. I think that they can't really run the ball. They got to figure that out. Yeah. Uh, they're, you know, Nebraska, Nebraska is not a fair judge of their defense because Nebraska is not good on offense. Mm-hmm. And I think most of their games are probably going to wind up when they play good teams, going to be like the TCU game right. because TCU is good and TCU can score. So I think there's going to be a lot of 45, 42s in their future mm-hmm. and they might win them, but sometimes you're, you know, you know, they haven't like, and, and no offense to Chandler Morris here, but he's not Bo Nix and he's not Caleb Williams. What? And, he, <laughs> and he's not DJU. So, like, right. all those things are coming down the pipeline at them mm-hmm. uh, for teams who have done it together longer. So, I'm curious to see what happens when – like, I, I do think they caught TCU – like, they caught TCU perfect. I mean, they really did. And play the kind of game that you're going to have to play to beat TCU. Yeah. You know, so then, of course, Nebraska is kind of a different thing. Um, I, I know by saying this and saying that they might not – win all their games. Why are you such that, a hater? That Shadur and Dion are now going to be like, well, I mean. You didn't believe. Didn't you believe. believe now, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. Um, yeah, I'm also curious. Just I know Sean Lewis was doing some different things the first couple of weeks because he had this advantage. Like, obviously, there's all that tape on Kent State, mm-hmm. but he was doing some different personnel groupings, um, especially a lot of 10 personnel that he didn't do at his previous stop. And so as that film gets out there, you know, I think their offense is going to be good, but maybe they don't score 40 points each and every week, right? And yeah. you already saw that rhythm and flow slow down a little bit against Nebraska. But they're much, much improved, and, I mean, the experiment's obviously working. Yeah, look, they, look, should, they, have, they have enough athletes to where when it's that guy versus your guy, mm-hmm. that guy can win a lot of the time because right. Shadur's really good, Travis Hunter's really good. They've got guys who can win. So sometimes it's just about hitting those big plays, but they've got to – They've got to be able to run the ball. You know, if you want to, like, especially if you want to beat USC, you're going to have to be able to, to run the ball on them. If you want to beat Oregon, you're going to have to be able to run the ball on them. Um, you know, I don't know how I feel about Oregon after Texas Tech. I mean, I think that was kind of shows me how gritty they are that they went into a place and probably did not play their best game, but didn't play poorly mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. And now, granted, I've had to watch a very condensed version of that game on YouTube because. Next are the home of my our local Fox affiliate is in a battle with my provider, DirecTV. So I did not get to see that game. But, what a rough year for cable disputes! Oh my gosh, for sports people. It's well, I mean, Charter and ESPN worked it out, but apparently, yeah, finally, ne- yeah. but apparently, Nextar and DirecTV are just they're just going to lock horns, and so this is a blood feud for them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, next not not this week, but next the Cowboys play on Fox, and if it's not solved by then, then I have to change providers so you're that next star yeah clock's ticking you're you're about to lose me paul catalina you're about to lo- look listen direct tv is about to lose a like a i might be a legacy subscriber i've been on direct tv so long your days are numbered direct that's right yeah they're they're, they're quaking in their boots 
Like, first we got spun off of AT&T. Scrambling around. <laughs> yeah. The Catalinas are canceling. Yeah, that's it, you know. Get Fox on the phone. And they might be the ones who are, like, secretly calling my wife and telling her, like, I don't know if I, I want to change. I like the way that <laughs> – I like this DVR. I like this how this works. They're planting seeds. <laughs> They're just sending propaganda to Amanda. Causing division in the home. Like, hey, uh, you know, we could save a lot more money. Do I have to learn a new DVR? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it's probably not that bad. But I – I have stuff saved on this one. Right. Man has to have a code for y sure. Yeah, so yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, well, can you get them to like lower our rate a little bit <laughs> if they're talking to you? Um, yeah, listen, Directv. If you call my wife and give her a good offer, then maybe we can talk again. But it's it's coming to a head there. Yeah, it's it, but um, but I so but Oregon, I I do like like. I, I'm big on them. I think that they're going to do well. Dan Lanning is a really good coach, um, and Bonex is really fun to watch and legit Heisman candidate. You know, not like even though they're putting his you know his face up all over New York City to to make sure the downtown athletic club knows that he's there. But uh, I, I think he's a legit Heisman candidate. He's going to have he's going to have big Heisman moments because that's just what Bonex does. Mm -hmm. You know, in big games he's going to throw like a 38-yard touchdown pass while he's falling out of bounds and, you know, like, oh, my gosh. So Maybe a pick, too, but, yeah, yeah. you can live with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Oregon with a very um, modern advertising strategy of billboards. Yeah. They're also, like, taking out ads in the paper and stuff. But I like Oregon, too, and I was actually really impressed with that win because it's one of those, okay, Tech at home coming off a, a puzzling loss to Wyoming. Mm -hmm. They need that. They need that football game. Yeah. And Oregon was able to control it for the most part. They're obviously trailing at different points, um, and then ultimately win it and, and force Tyler Shuck into some bad decisions. So, I think the way their defense is playing, alongside a different variation, but a typical kind of high octane athletic offense that Oregon has, um, they're going to be good. But there's just so many factors in the Pac-12 right now because there's legitimately really good teams. All right, I'll throw in one more contender for you. Notre Dame with Sam Hartman. How do you feel about that? They look great. And I like Marcus Freeman. But I just can't buy into the fighting Irish. I don't know. I mean, and I know they play good teams. Like, I get it. But the, the independent schedule just makes me distrust them. Well, look, they've got Clemson. They've got USC. Yeah. And I'm leaving somebody else out. That if they win those three games, there's – there's, there's no doubt, sure. There's no doubt that they are. But, in fact, the USC-Notre Dame game, the winner might be in the playoff. Mm -hmm. You know, so those, those games, that, that one's going to be interesting to me because they do play a lot different style than USC does. And so can Sam Hartman hang with Caleb Williams? I will say as a big Sam Hartman stand, yeah, I think he can because he's, he's kind of this – like as a fan of a team who's lost to Sam Hartman, he's maddeningly efficient. And maddeningly clutch in yeah. certain moments. And not even in, like, oh, they got to have a touchdown drive. And they, like, oh, if they just need convert two first downs in these five minutes, like, there's no way you're going to be able to come back and score, even if you do get the ball back. Because he's going to put, like, you know, you're, they're going to punt the ball into the corner. You're going to have a 93-yard drive to score a touchdown just to tie it. Mm -hmm. And he's going to get these two first downs. And he's going to get them like that. And you're like, well, crap. Right, and so like that's that's why I may be more of a believer in Notre Dame than most, just because of Sam Hartman, because I do think he's a difference maker, not in the Caleb Williams level way, but in the like totally boring, like oh we need to get the first down here, oh I can do that, no problem, call this play, okay done. Yeah, he's kind of like a CPA, and I say that in the best way possible. I mean, not yeah. that that's going to be his future job. Just he gets it done. Uh, I think they're. I think they're better than Clemson. The USC game will be a huge test, but, I mean, they look the part for sure. Yeah, they absolutely do. When we come back, the Pac-12 went to court. We'll update everybody on that and what that means and discuss, if they, let's say Oregon State and Washington State win this and win control of the name. Does that mean that they are the Pac-12 and whoever they add is a Pac-12 team and that means that they're an A5 again? That will be interesting. This is the Triple Option, 365 Sports. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. 
But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Alongside Stephen Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs. That's right, Paul. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to get all the gestures right. Is that a uniquely Texas thing, the hand signs for every college? No, I think everybody, but like Texas might have like helped it flourish. Okay. You know, gig them and hook them and Houston has one. Give me three hand signs for your schools not in Texas, son. Let's see. Uh, okay. Chomp. I, there's one I won't do, and then there's that, and then I mean that's just the schools in Florida, right? I'm sure. Yeah, it, it sounds like you're copping out on the third one there, Paul. Ohio. Oh yeah, Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. Do they walk around? I'm doing not gonna that? let you get yeah. me on video doing the chomp. I wasn't trying to get you to do the chomp. Yeah, I really wasn't. There, that's what that's what they get. They get baby shark. <laughs> they get baby shark. They, uh, that's what Gator they fan two five six five is like clipping that right now. <laughs> that's what they get. Like, look at what Paul did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of. Um, well, uh, Wichita State has one, but I, I don't know if you can do it. And when TCU in played LSU, company. when TCU played LSU a few years back, a lot of their fans were just giving me the middle finger, which I thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was a weird hand sign, yeah. but that's what it is. That's what it is. I guess that's what they do. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like, I don't know. Like I was at Alabama. I don't think they have one. I wasn't trying to derail your segment. I no, just, no, 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 no. It's like, it's a fair conversation. I feel like it's a Texas thing. It's it's probably more of a Texas thing than an everywhere else thing. I think so too. Yeah. in like some school, like SMU does pony up, which I, I don't even really know what they yeah. do. I think they just have their butler. But like what's it, a, like, like What's a Wolverine? Like, would you be like, <laughs> like, what do they do? I don't know. Yeah, I've, sure. never, I've never been attacked by a Wolverine, so I couldn't make a hand gesture appropriate to what they do. You know, yeah. I think it's a Texas thing. But. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's probably unique because Oklahoma doesn't have one, right? Mm -hmm. They just yell out Boomer Sooner. Right. Oklahoma State doesn't have one. No. Yeah. I think they do some. They gun do some thing, sort of guns but, up too. But oh yeah. But Oklahoma State has this weird thing where they've stolen one tradition from like every other Big Twelve school. So, I think the one true one is that you know. Oh, the paddles. Yes, the, yeah, pad the, the paddles. paddles are theirs. That's theirs. Yeah, that's their thing. You can hear it in the like you can hear it in the press box. Oh, it's. I mean, it's. It's wild. It's legit annoying and disturbing and all those things. And so, if you can hear it in the press box. Like, imagine if you're watching a game and you're a foot away from it. Yes. And they're just doing it. It is – it's one of those things, and they so consistently do it and, like, rotate. Like, if you get tired – like, Steven gets tired. He's like, hey, Garrett, <laughs> need to go get some water. You got me? Yeah. You got me. Okay, keep going. They're, like, training their kids to do it. Yeah. It'd be like if you're in your apartment. Like, what is that sound? You can't find it. You couldn't go to sleep. That's how it is. It's, it's unbelievable uh, what they do there. But to the Pac-12 now, who I believe is hand signless – Sure. I don't. I don't know. Like the. I'm not, I won't push back on that. I don't know. I mean, Oregon's the Ducks. That would be a weird. That'd be a weird hand sign. Yeah, it'd be a weird, weird U one. USC is that V for victory, I think. Oh yeah. So yeah, there's there's some things, but uh, but Oregon State and Washington State have successfully at least won their temporary injunction that they're in control of the Pac-12, and none of the other ten are. That's right. Which. I don't think it would take house, dad. We're would, taking over. Would, I don't think it would take much convincing in a court of law to be like, hey, so these people don't want any part of this. Mm -hmm. And they're only trying to steal the money 
that is there for all of us together so that they don't have to pay us any of it on the way out. We would like to not do that and maintain it. So can we discuss this before they just say, you know, oh, we're not, we're out of the office just constantly. I mean, George Klyovkov was, he was in Montana during this thing. So like everybody else is checked out and is out of office here. We're trying to figure out the future of this league without them. They shouldn't have any say in it. Uh, I, I don't see any reason, like somebody's going to have to convince me mm-hmm. that the other 10 are right or the other eight, I guess, I guess 10. Yeah, I guess 10. The other 10 are right. And the, and Oregon state and Washington state are wrong because they're the ones who wanted to stay in the first place. Exactly. Like, and let, I don't know enough about the legal contract situation. So unless there's some sort of loophole that allows them to have a vote here, common sense tells you, no, they shouldn't have any say in what's happening. There's literally two schools left. Like, they should just be able to go to each other's campus and talk about this amongst themselves yeah. or send each other a Zoom invite. And, man, George K is just living my dream. Like, he's just he's out there. The pac is crumbling. He's living in Montana. He's going to get paid <laughs> yeah. this year to just sort of him haul around and do his thing. Just, what a gig. Just drinking a cup of coffee. Yeah. Like, looking out over his, you know, his acres, thinking he's Kevin Costner for a minute. <sighs> Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the episode of The Office where uh, Jim has a new boss and he goes with his new boss to a sales conference yeah. and they meet Michael and yeah. Dwight and his new boss makes a joke and Jim and him laugh about it and uh, Jim's like, sorry, inside joke. And Michael says, oh man, I love inside jokes. I'd love to be a part of one someday. <laughs> yeah, that yes. to me is like the George Klykoff experience. <laughs> it's just... <laughs> He's just kind of constantly figuring things out after they happen. Yeah. It's like, oh, man, you guys had something planned? (laughs) That's crazy. Yeah. So you don't want to sign this Apple deal? Yeah. Well, good luck. Yeah. Uh, But, no, I mean, Washington State and Oregon State should have full control over the situation at this point. Okay. So now, say Washington State and Oregon State retain control of the Pac-12 name and the Pac-12 brand. And apparently four television studios <laughs> that they have in San Francisco. <laughs> a terrible place to build them. Uh, then the Pac-12 networks. So they, they retain their, their hold on that. And they go to the Mountain West and they say, listen, instead of you guys all paying exit fees, mm-hmm. let's just merge and call ourselves the Pac, however, you know. 14 or whatever yeah, you want to call it. Yeah. I don't know what, <laughs> you know, whatever, how many teams there would be in that league at that point. And the Mountain West says, sure. Gloria Navarez, absolutely wonderful and capable commissioner who's on her way up in the college athletic world. You're the commissioner of the Pac-12 now and not the Mountain West. And we can retain the Mountain West brand for other things if it mm-hmm. ever comes into play. But we're the Pac-12 now. That's what we are. Can they now turn around to the college football playoff committee and all of the other conferences and say, we're still the same. We would like autonomy five. We want the same units in the NCAA tournament. All the things that we had before is the PAC 12. We, we are going to retain them because we have fulfilled that contract. What do you think the other ones say to them? I mean, in theory, they can say that. And I, I don't know what the defense would be unless they're going to get real blunt about it and be like, hey, this is a very different conference mm-hmm. and we're not, we're not giving you guys that same type of status. But, I mean, from a, like, I guess procedural standpoint, I don't know what legs the CFP committee would have to stand yeah. on other than just to admit that they don't think the league is, is nearly as good. And, like, listen, yeah, it would take a huge hit. But that seems like the shrewdest thing for Oregon State and Washington State to do. It, it gives them – I mean, they, would, they have a built-in advantage over these schools that they would be joining. It gives them a clear path to an expanded playoff. And, I mean, that was kind of the point of the expanded playoff was to give conferences – like have that automatic bid, give conferences the opportunity um, to, to get in and have, have teams that are available. So – I think it could work. Now, obviously, fan, you know, fans are going to make a big deal of it. They're going to be like, no, listen, that's not the same thing. I'm sure some of the commissioners would have something to say about it. But just from a, like, logical sense, I mean, they could make that claim. I don't see why they couldn't. 
Yeah, I think the loudest would be the Big Ten of the SEC, who of course are going to try to get four teams yeah. in of twelve every year. They want to do their own thing anyway. So. Yeah, so like they're going to be like because that would eliminate the fourth best team in their league getting in, mm-hmm. you know, and one of them, maybe both, you know, depending on on the year. But that that to me would be interesting to see them say like, look, by the terms of our contract, as long as we have this many members, we are still the Pac-12. And by what we've negotiated, you know, because the Mountain West is not actually exiting. They're just going to all join the Pac-12 at once Mm -hmm. and then, you know, probably take the TV deal, which is far less than anything they're going to get. But they can still say that we're going to get, you know, as the other four leagues have. But if they just said, like, hey, this is the Pac-12 now, then I wonder how the CFP tries to bend around that because the whole thing about, the college football postseason is it's been a mad dash to keep teams like San Diego state and Boise, Boise state out yeah. because they, they don't, they don't know what to do with this money. They don't, they're not, they don't deserve to be here, mm-hmm. you know? And so that would maybe make everybody have to really show their cards where, you know, they, they have to say the quiet part out loud where it's like, all right, look, we, we just, we just want to share with you. Yeah. We don't respect you. We don't want to share with you. We've been keeping this all for ourselves. And if we have to make an exception for you now, then it's it's just going to start a slippery slope of where we can't be as greedy as we wanted to be. So if they if, if that happened and they said no, the CFP says, no, you're not like, that's not who you are. We understand the point you're trying to make, but this is not. You can get one of the at-large bids, yes. but you're not going to be an automatic qualifier. Is that the first step? I mean, I know we're already like the first step. There's been steps taken. Is that another step to the Super to the League? To the Super League, yeah. Is that Prob- the, the direct pathway to the Super League? Probably, because... Because then I assume you have another lawsuit, like yeah. the Pac-12 or Mountain West, whatever. Yeah. Takes legal action against the committee. Yeah. So then they, you know, like it's going to get muddled, and then it just makes everybody start to admit, which then it starts to get to, get to the point of schools have to decide how much they want to spend on football. I think it would be, maybe I'm down the down the road of the Super League. Before the Super League happens, they have to break football off of everything else. Mm-hmm. And this is something they could have done 25 years ago when football started being clearly, maybe even 30 years ago, clearly different than everything else. Like, for a long time, you convince yourself, like, look, there's just more players on a football team, but we treat it just like we do every other sport in 1977. That's probably applicable. Mostly true, yeah. Mostly true, you know. But then when cable TV comes along and they're like, well, instead of like three games being on television each week nationally, we're going to put all of them on, like as many as we can, and then more and more and more and more. And then it got to the point where there's so much money coming into football that it's not the same. Like it is not the same as track and field. It is not the same as swimming and diving. It's not the same as soccer. We've got to stop treating it that way because that actually hurts the other sports because you have to treat it that way. Mm-hmm. So just move it out, run it as his own thing, and then see where it goes from there. Would the, would the Pac-12 Mountain West Zombie League, would they – do you think they would scoff at the idea of streaming only, or do you feel like they'd see that as an, as an opportunity? Or I think, would it just all be about the money? It would all be about the money. Like, I doubt Apple's going to come back to them and give them the same deal. Right. Um, and the, the Mount West already has a television deal. So, you know, I don't think, I don't think they would scoff at it. I think they would, they would see money as money and just mm-hmm. go for it. I think the bigger thing would be for them playoff access, money is money, and let's see where we are when the shakeups happen again. Yeah. You know, so keep going because that, that's where they have to really see their future because it's, it's, I, I'm, uh, I'm happy that Oregon State and Washington State are, are able to call the shots here a little bit because, Clearly, this was all, like, they're the only ones who were negotiating in good faith with the Pac-12 the whole time because they didn't have – well, I mean, they might have tried, but I guarantee you it was like, um, you have reached the office of Brett Yormark. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a clear exit strategy uh, you know, for them. Please leave a message, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Go Big 12. Yeah. And then, and then uh, uh, oh, I've got nine messages from Oregon State and Washington State. I, I'll get back to those later, you know, like kind of a thing. Yeah, they're talking to Arizona, and they're like, Brett's mailbox, it always says it's full. Yeah. <laughs> it, won't, it won't allow me to leave voicemail. Yeah. 
And Arizona's like, huh, weird. Yeah, strange. <laughs> weird. Yeah. Technology, man. Yeah. You know, like just text him. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they, there is, uh, there, there's that that's, that's going on with them. So I, I like, I, I hope so. And I, like, I agree, uh, last week, um, with, with Jake Dykert when he was like, look, this is a power five team. They, they are power five players and they deserve to be in the power five. Uh, they beat Wisconsin. Uh, they were in control of that game the entire time. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, like, they, they deserve that. Like, they, they earned those things. Mm-hmm. And so to have a bunch of people who are not out there working at football, making these decisions over your head, and then just one day you wake up and be like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, next year you're going to have less opportunity than you did mm-hmm. this year. Then it, it sends everybody else, like, Part of that is also like, hey, uh, good Washington State players that are transfer eligible, like, please come in, get, yeah. get in the portal. Same with Oregon State. Like, yeah. you know, th- those things, that's just the unfortunate side of college football right now. And I'm glad that the little guys, so to speak, might be able to, to fight back a little bit for a little while and stave off what would be, I don't know. I hope that if the Super League comes around, I'm old enough to where I don't care anymore. And you're just like, oh, it's years. On. Like, oh, all right, the, you know. Kids, turn this on for me. <laughs> Just ask Alexa, Grandpa. I don't trust that woman. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's that's what I'd like to do. <laughs> that's <laughs> Washington used to be in the Pac-12. Okay, Grandpa. Yeah, they played USC. <laughs> they still do. Oh. <laughs> Washington, Washington State used to play a thing called the Apple Cup. Where they would win apples, apparently. <laughs> All right. Calm down. Thanks, Uncle Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Take your pills. <laughs> Here's your prices right reruns. Yeah. Don't yell at the nurse anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I hope. Because I don't know if I can – I don't know if I'll enjoy it the same if it completely changes. And I, yeah. think, I think the one thing TV networks do, do miss out on, Stephen, and it's not completely their fault, but when they're trying to, like – when they're these leagues start negotiating and they leave it behind. And even the leagues that regionality matters that sure it does, you know, TCU doesn't like Texas because they're both in the same state and that TCU feels probably different about Iowa state because they're not in the same state. And like, yes, they're in the same conference and they don't care for each other, but it's not to the same level. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, TCU fans didn't grow up, you know, going to high school with, a bunch of people that went to Iowa State, maybe a couple, but like a bunch of people that in their high school went to Texas and there's rivalry there. You know, it's it's they're they're gonna miss that part and it's gonna make it really strange. They are. They're missing, I mean, they're missing kind of the secret ingredient to it, which is, yeah, this is not like this is not the same level of professional sport, but there's a pageantry here. There's a a, a meaningfulness here that you can't really capture always in the NFL. But it's it's moving that way one way or the other. And like, people like you and me are going to still watch the games. Yeah. So, they don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bring me my figs. <laughs> it's all I can stomach. <laughs> you should just do the next, the, the entire next segment as a grandpa just ball. Just an old a grandpa ball. <laughs> <laughs> my nurse is from Korea. <laughs> grandpa, don't. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not open up that can of worms. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like... Where's Judge Janine Pirro? <laughs> she on? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, there's there's so so many so many bad things I can say. <laughs> I don't want to get I don't want to get down that road. Yeah, Stephen. let's not go down that trail. I, 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 might, I might be in trouble. I might I'd like to trouble. come back next Wednesday. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> All right. When we come back, is the SEC down? Are they down? Is it? Can we finally say like maybe it just means the same in the SEC this year? <laughs> This is the triple option. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. 
Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable, so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. Welcome to the Triple Option. Here's your host, Paul Catalina. Welcome back to the Triple Option. Paul Catalina, Stephen Simcox, locked on Horn Frogs with me. And Stephen, uh, the SEC, look, Georgia still Georgia, although they've, I think they're going to look bored a lion's share of the year. They certainly now, did against Ball State in the first half. Yeah, uh, because they don't have and, – and this is not indicative of what their scheduling has been. They've played some good teams mm-hmm. in the non-conference in years past. They've just – because Oklahoma's rotated off because this is, a, I believe, the first year they're supposed to play them and then next year they're – like, whatever that was. So that game's gone and they've kind of – you know, there's a Ball State in the schedule and all that. They're, the early part of their schedule probably not as fun. They play South Carolina this week, which is interesting. But Georgia, outside of this. But you look around after Texas beat Bama last week. LSU's already taken a loss. And granted, those are both two big, big name teams in in Florida State and Texas. But they, um, you know, Ole Miss struggled against Tulane, who's better, you know, and, and Tulane beat USC last year. Almost won the game without their starting quarterback. Right. You know, Tennessee played with their food with Austin P. You know, all these things that kind of happened here. Yeah, Auburn escaped against Cal on the road. Yeah, you know, like there's there's reason to believe that the SEC is down a little bit. I have my own theory, which I've kind of been saying on the show the last couple days, which is the transfer portal is hurting the SEC maybe more. Like it helps, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like it's a very cyclical thing, but there are now – you can't stash players anymore and wait for them to develop. You know, you're a TCU guy. Your roster this year is peppered with ex-SEC players. Yeah. Peppered. Uh, you know, uh, LSU, like how many Alabama guys? Four? Three? Mm-hmm. It's a really easy sell, yeah. right? Like, yeah. okay, you're not playing there. Just come over here. You can play. And a lot of instances as you get closer to home, right, you go find, okay, which guy on this roster is from – Oh, yeah, Brockermeyer. He's yeah. from Texas. He's, like, he's from boom. Metroplex, right? Yeah. And he, he comes and plays. Um I think it definitely looks that way on paper right now. They're down. You know, the top of the league is still really good, but Bama looked mortal last week. Um, You talked about LSU struggles. The SEC West in general, when you got Mississippi State and Auburn kind of in transition. A&M got thumped. A&M got thumped. Um, And we talked about Ole Miss, you know, kind of struggling with Tulane. And, you know, there obviously seems like Lane Kiffin, there just seems to be a ceiling there. They're going to be a good team, probably not a great team. Um, and so top to bottom, are they as, as stacked as they've been? No. And maybe that opens up, you know, a slight window for some of these other conferences, even though you have like the team that just beat Alabama is, is going to the SEC next year as along with Oklahoma. Uh, but it does feel like there's a different energy there and the transfer board makes a lot of sense. It's easier than ever to build your team quickly. Uh, and the best way to do that is to just find talented players from other teams. So where are you going to find that talent? You scour the rosters of the best teams in the country. Yeah, and look, like for example, a guy like JoJo Earl, who's at TCU right now, mm-hmm. um, and I mean nobody, nobody in Fort Worth is is talking about the you know like thank God they have JoJo Earl yet, but he's a really good player. He's a really talented guy, and he would have been the third or fourth wide receiver on Alabama this year. But he can come to TCU and probably eventually be the number one guy, right? And so he's there. And so instead of him being the number three or four for a year and then being one of the top two in his junior year and and going to the NFL out of Alabama, he's going to go to TCU a year before that would all happen. And there's no patience anymore. It's just gone. You know, Brocker Meyer is like, okay, well, you might be the sixth offensive lineman at Bama, but TCU has an opening at your specific position. Mm-hmm. So, boom, there, you're, you're starting. And even though next year he would have been a starter, no matter what, at Alabama, but it's all about the now. Yeah. So now you don't have developmental guys, and you're, you know, 
you're getting out of the trans like sometimes you don't get equal things out of the transfer portal. Like it's you know, sometimes you you know, you throw in a a JoJo Earl and you get out of Jermaine Burton. Like, okay, right. that's a win for Alabama, right? Yeah. At least right now. Uh sometimes you, you know, throw out a Brockermeyer and you get a guy who is kind of just a guy, but he's good enough to be on your roster, but he's not, you know, the murderer's row that you've had before. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't really know what they can do to combat that besides just – and I'm talking about Alabama specifically, but besides just hitting the portal hard, yeah. um, how do you kind of make up for that? And then, I mean, what do you, like, is there a team in that league right now, I guess maybe Tennessee, like who is the biggest threat to Georgia if there is one? I think, ten, I think Tennessee is right now. Yeah. I, think, I think LSU can be, yeah. um, you know, the um, – I, like I, I, I put. I don't want to put too much, too many eggs in that first game basket on either side of it, but because I do think LSU is going to be really good, and if they get things right, I mean, they've got a really good quarterback. They just, you know, they've got an established running game outside of him, and so if they do those things, if you let, if you just, you know, tear, tell Harold Perkins to paint an X on the quarterback and go, then I think everything's going to be all right for them. But you know, I think LSU could. I mean, Alabama might be able to, but again, they like. If you look at last year, you know, like you know, Nick Saban said, "Well, the only games that we lost, we lost by one score." But like, yeah, you also beat AM by one score, and you like you had close games for the first time in a long time. And the reason that you, you know, maybe won some of those games because you had Bryce Young, yeah. and now you don't have Bryce Young. And so since that's over, and now you're in a developmental phase at quarterback, maybe those close games you're not going to win anymore. Um, you know, look, Georgia might find themselves in a similar position if Carson Beck winds up not being that good, but he looks like he's pretty good. I mean, like, he does, yeah. you know, so I, like I can't, you know, I can't make that assumption. And, and look, I think somebody's probably going to jump up and bite Georgia because it's really hard to do what they're trying to do because nobody's really done it. In the, nobody has done it in the modern era. Like since World War II, nobody's won three in a row. Right. It's, 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 it's not a hard thing. It's a hard thing to do. And – it's harder now with all the parity that exists, you know, and they lose transfers. They're going to lose a couple guys that again, may not go help anybody win a national championship, but Georgia replaces them with somebody who's not ready to compete at that level yet. You know, they've got to develop them. And that's really the, the, the rub here, because I, I agree with the premise of what you're saying, Mm -hmm. but the bottom line is like, if Georgia three peats, Nobody's going to care. Like, from a narrative standpoint, nobody's going to care that Kentucky struggled against Eastern Kentucky this past Saturday, right? Like, they're just going to wave the SEC flag again because it's like, well, we won the championship. And and that's kind of been how it it is for a long time. Um, And and so that's really the the key, I guess, from a a national standpoint for the league. But I think if if you put a magnifying glass on the teams top to bottom, you are seeing a drop off or just other people closing the gap. Which hopefully is good for college football and what we were talking about with, you know, a super league maybe eventually forming and and all the, the haves and have nots, um, but it does feel like this is a different year, for the conference and maybe th- maybe there's an opportunity here, uh, for for that gap to be closed at least when we're talking about parity within the within the conferences. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, um, and look, I think that the real, you know, end game here is. The SEC champion is in, and the runner-up in the SEC is not. Like, if there's just one SEC team in this, then maybe – Mission accomplished. Like, the – and I think to, like, to make it – like, to drive it home would be there's one SEC team in this, and you can't make uh, – yeah, but for, like, the fifth or sixth team that's – doesn't get in and be like, well, if only that that had not happened, you know. Mm-hmm. They have two losses in the SEC, but, you know, uh, Michigan has only one loss in the Big Ten, so, you know, like even they're like, like splitting hairs to, to that point. So if you have an SEC team, a Big Ten team, a Big 12 team, an ACC or a Pac-12 team in the top four, and then you're not talking about another SEC team in that top four at all – then I think that, yeah, maybe maybe everybody else is making a dent. I know it's super early. Do you think Hugh Freeze could get Auburn to a place where, you know, I mean, they had a run there. It was like once a development cycle, they were yeah. national championship caliber. Do you see that trajectory for them again? Yes, if 
they can avoid if he can avoid um, the the least patient fan base in America. You know, um, because and look, he'll probably do really well in the portal. He'll he'll eventually. Like right now, you know, clearly he's got a quarterback that he's just like, well, this was the best guy I could get. Um, you can kind of see, like, you know, Keon Coleman went to play for Jordan Travis because that was his quarterback <laughs> at Michigan State. So he, like, there are there are those things. Like, once he gets his quarterback, which I think he wanted Grayson McCall, and then that, for whatever reason, that didn't work out, that he went back to Coastal. But once he gets his guy in their quarterback and everything, yeah, I think they can, I think they'll contend. I mean, that, because that's kind of how they are. And then because they do so well, then the weight of expectation takes the least patient fan base in America and makes them go, okay, we would like seven of these in a row. And you're like, well, <laughs> no one has won three in a row. So let me get to the second one. They're like, no, seven in a row. <laughs> we would like the University of Alabama not to exist. Like when you beat them, the university disintegrates like it. Like in Infinity War, like that's what we want. <laughs> you stab just, your fingers. Not, and... Done. That's what we would like. And like, I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, well, then you're a quitter, Get and out. we don't yeah. we don't need that attitude here <laughs> on the planes. So, um, yeah, I, I think that I think that if they they do, I like Hugh Freeze is an excellent coach. I question like how you can know all you know about Hugh Freeze and then go, yeah, this guy's trustworthy. Seems like yeah, seems like the guy we need. Um, that, yeah, there's definitely, there's definitely a few red flags there, <laughs> yeah. like, uh, but it is a league that's in a lot of, uh, just in a lot of transition. I mean, Florida has a really good recruiting class. I know coming in next year, but they're rebuilding again. Um, we talked about Tennessee is good, but they have, you know, they have some limitations. And so I guess it, it's just going to be a matter of how long does it take some of those schools? Does it all come together for them? But at the moment definitely feels like, uh, it's it's a top it's a top heavy league and top heavy meaning there's one really 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 good team mm-hmm. and some other good teams but not the dominance you would typically see in that in that conference. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. I enjoy our time so vividly. Thanks, I'm trying Paul. To, I like I like to make the end like Mister Rogers. Just <laughs> talk about what we learned about each other. <laughs> what did we learn? What did we learn today? <laughs> I need to get a sweater and change my shoes. <laughs> 56 minutes into the show. I like that. Yeah, just like walk, start walking out the door. <laughs> All right. All and right, then guys. everybody knows I'm going to be like back in here in an hour sitting four <laughs> feet away. <laughs> but this is a different Paul. This is, you know, yeah. this is independent Paul. This is, this is comfy chair Paul. Yeah. No hall monitors. This is here. you can't hide the stomach in the chair Paul. <laughs> and that is, that is desk Paul. That's corporate Paul. That's corporate. Yeah. That's uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stooge for the, for mm-hmm. the money over there. Over here, we're we're fighting the power. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's Mr. Catalina. Yeah, this is just Paul. This that's that is Manhattan. This is Portland, Oregon, right here. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the differences. This guy might take me to Dave and Buster's. <laughs> we're uh, over there. I've got to take you to Morton's. Bottom line, uh, we're Ruth's, Chris, or Morton's or nowhere. Right. You know. But uh, yeah, we'll see you again next Wednesday. Uh, TCU in Houston this week. Uh, Houston had like they've had a very narrow win against UTSA and a very uh, maddening loss to them against Rice. Yes, uh, and then now you, uh, your TCU Horn Frogs, welcome them this week, right, to Fort Worth. It's in Houston. It's in Houston. Okay, yeah, it's it's actually primetime game on Fox. It's Houston's Big Twelve opener. Yeah, uh, so don't really know what to make of either of those teams. I mean, I, conventional wisdom tells me TCU should win, but both have had very strange starts. Um, and you know, like Doug Belk a couple of years ago was sort of the the hot assistant name around mm-hmm. around the state. That defense didn't look great against JT Daniels mm-hmm. last week, but um, yeah, a good early season kind of barometer for both those teams. Yep, JT Daniels has been to every college. Yes, he's been like you. He's been to every one of them. USC, Georgia. West Virginia Rice. Yeah. Next year, he's going to play at Howard Payne. I'm excited. <laughs> he's going to go to as many schools as he can until until he gets to all of them. Navarro, there's still a chance. Guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He'll find he'll find the loophole. That's <laughs> that's what his name should be. Loophole Daniels. Yeah. JT Daniels can go to four schools. Tez Walker can't play the second one. <laughs> Let's. 
Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't make a lot of sense. No, absolutely not. That's going to do it for us. Have a great day, everybody. Main show starts at 3 o'clock. If your business is like most, you need things done quickly. But if you're still tying your critical applications together on multiple shared public networks, you've probably been feeling the slowdown. And that's no good for business. A private UPN fiber network can get you and your business moving at the speed of light. Whatever you need, we can build it. Internet, Metro Ethernet, Waves, Dark Fiber. We deliver custom private networks and are focused on business customers only. Our next generation 100% fiber optic infrastructure offers you low latency and ultra scalable bandwidth with speeds up to 100 gigabit to run your critical applications. Your connection won't be limiting your performance anymore. It's diverse and scalable so it can grow and change as your business grows and changes. And with a secure carrier-grade private network, you'll have all the reliability you need. Contact UPN today to learn more. Fast just got faster.